yeah. Okay, you want to do announcements and I'll do the uh, offering? No. Would you go, please? <laughs> <laughs> Good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? Um, we're going to open up with prayer, and then we're going to uh, do announcements. Uh, Randy's going to do announcements and take up offering, and then we're going to go right into the worship, and then right into the Word. So if you bow your head, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this evening. Lord, as we uh, study your Word tonight on the book of James, our faith in motion, I pray, Father, you would teach each one of us something we haven't learned before. Holy Spirit, enlighten our hearts, enlighten our minds. Lord, we've come here tonight to worship and honor you in everything we do. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Randy. We thought we were done with you. I wasn't here this morning. Y'all got, got, got one service off. I'm back. You know, you know the old story about the Texas Longhorns? Every, every year they say, we're back. And they're really not, I'm back, and I really am. All right. So um, I don't go through all the announcements on Sunday night. You guys know that. Uh, they're all in the bulletin. And like I said last Sunday, uh, pick up a bulletin and read the announcements and look in there because there's also a prayer list in there. And participate in that. It's not just that it's a bulletin for print up paper or anything like that. It's, it's, there's information in it and there's a prayer list which is probably the most important part of it. Um, Pastor Marcus mentioned today about uh, new members and we've had several people talking about that over the last 11 months. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you a real short story here. He said we're going to form a committee and we're going to do some work with a committee and I said <laughs> wait a minute. We just got off a committee from 11 months. Me and Ron, we kind of like, whoa, we don't want to get on another committee, but we will. This is for our church procedures and policies and our, our documents and everything. We're going to start on doing that and get it all set up. But anyhow, uh, we're going to be looking for some other people other than just the board so we can get more input. Uh, regardless of what some people think, that the board is not, they are not, we are not, the dumbest people in the church, but neither are we the smartest people in church. Okay, so there's there's more of y'all around, and we're not we're not looking to be front and center. We're just looking to serve. So, and we're going to be looking for some of y'all to serve alongside of us. Um, we had a great men's breakfast yesterday. We had 15 guys show up, and we had a really good Bible study. Um, I feel like I'm begging sometimes to have you guys ask you guys to come eat with us because you, you shouldn't have to beg assembly of God men to come eat breakfast. I mean, free food, free food, free food. But anyhow, we had a great time. And I know some of you weren't there. You missed out. Uh, the announcements in a bulletin, the same thing, Sunday school, uh, children's church, youth, Sunday morning, Sunday night, men's breakfast, heart to heart. Um, 
prime timers. Yeah, I knew there was one I was missing right there, prime timers. So just get your bulletin and read all that and participate. And we're looking for great things to start happening in our church. We have a leader now, and it ain't me. <laughs> so, and, it, and, it, and it never was me, to be real honest with you. I'm just, I'll throw that out there. I never did feel like I was a leader. I was just... Uh, trying to get things going and help to keep going so but yeah we do have a leader now so um okay me and ron we're gonna take offering and you guys as soon as we get through with the offering stand up and sister julie's going to take over with praise and worship heavenly father we just thank you lord for this day thank you lord for our chance to come and serve and to worship and praise you heavenly father and lord we're just going to praise and worship you with our offering now and we know that lord that you will bless it for your glory and for your kingdom, and for your people, Heavenly Father. In Christ's precious name, amen. Without your goodness, I would be desperate without your love. Slave to the darkness, if it wasn't for the cross. You have won me with your kindness. Chase me down when I was lost. Where would I be if it wasn't for the cross? Oh, yes, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I was a prisoner. Now I'm not with your blood. You have won my freedom. Met with mercy, and now your mercy will be my song. And all oh, the glory, all oh, the power of the cross. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I was a prisoner, and now I'm not. With your blood, you have won my freedom. Hallelujah for the cross. Sing them one more time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I was a prisoner, and now I'm not. With your blood, you have won my freedom. Hallelujah for the cross, yes. By your stripes I'm healed, by your death I live. The power of sin is dead and gone, it is finished, it is done. By your stripes I'm healed, by your death I live. 
is dead and gone. It is finished, it is done. By your stripes I'm healed. By your death I live. The power of sin is overcome. It is finished, it is done. Yes, oh, it is done. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I was a prisoner, and now I'm not. With your blood, you have won my freedom. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah for the cross. Hallelujah for the cross. sacrifice, Father. Hallelujah, Father, we can never repay, Lord. Father, help us not to take it for granted, God, but remind us of it every day, Father, how great you are, God, and the power that's in your name, Father, the majesty of it all, God. Father, we just want to praise your holy name tonight. How great 
can help but see with all of heaven's roar forever echo holy is the lord oh, oh, forever echo
sing that last verse one more time. Standing at the end of time, there before the throne of grace, majesty before my eyes, I'll let it take my breath away. Can we just take just a minute? Just a minute with no words, just the guys playing softly. Father, we just want to praise your holy name tonight, God. You alone, Father, are worthy. All wisdom, Father, all wonder, God, belong to you and you alone, God. We just thank you for the presence in this house tonight, God. We thank you for the sweet, sweet spirit that's moving in the atmosphere. God, we just ask that you would do tonight what needs to be done for those that are here. We're expecting, God. In Jesus' name. feel God's presence tonight. I'm really sensing God's presence. Let's not rush this tonight. Listen, this is Sunday night. Let's stay in the presence of Almighty God tonight. I just really sense His presence tonight. Would you just do a favor? Would you just raise your voice to the Lord? Just begin to praise Him. Begin to honor Him. Begin to lift Him. Lord, we praise You. Jesus, we praise You. We glorify You, Lord. There's no other name but Your name. Hallelujah. Yeah, lift up your name to him. Lift up your voice to his name. Mm, yes, Lord. Mm, oh, yes, Lord. Mm, oh, Lord, we praise you. Mm, oh, yes, Lord. There's no other name but your name, Lord. Father, we honor you tonight. We lift up your name. Jesus, you are mighty, you are awesome, and you are wonderful. Holy Spirit, pour out your anointing in this place. 
The word that I keep getting from my heart is something I shared this morning. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's my word, and my word is true. Believe and trust in me. Lean and rely upon me. I have plans, plans beyond your understanding, plans beyond your dreams, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope, not a wishful hope, but an expectational hope. Father, we thank you. That's for somebody tonight. tonight as we're standing in the presence of Almighty God. It's okay to cry in His presence. It's okay to weep. It's okay to be silent. It's okay to worship. Whatever God lays on your heart tonight. I want to be sensitive to the Lord. I really sense His presence here tonight. Father, we just thank You. Julie, can I ask you a favor? You know I love you, Lord. Yeah, can we sing that? Would you just lift up your voices to the Lord tonight? to worship 
Father, we thank you for this wonderful night, for this time of your presence. Father, I thank you for the blessings that you've given each one of us, the opportunity to come in here, and the privilege to honor and worship you. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. All right, thank you for doing that for me. Well, good evening. I guess can sense God's presence tonight. Yeah. You know, uh, you're going to find out about me. I like to allow the Holy Spirit to flow and move and just be sensitive to it. Sometimes, sometimes it's a normal sermon, go into it, but other times we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So, all right. Well, good evening. Everybody have a good day today? Yeah. Um, I took a 30-minute nap. I feel better. <laughs> We're going to be starting a series tonight called uh, uh, Faith in Motion. God has been laying this on my heart even before I got here about the book of James. And so it's a series and um, we're going to kind of do an overview. I've got a few things in here. So it's, it, the title of the message tonight is Exercising Our Faith. And if we don't get through it tonight, if we're going to go through it next Sunday. It's going to be more like teaching on Sunday nights and spending time in God's presence and uh, uh, Besides that, I need to save my voice. I think I went a little rough this morning on my voice. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me to the book of James. We're going to read James chapter 1, verses 1 through 27. And as you're turning there, I was just thinking of this as we were worshiping. There's a scripture in Revelation that talks about when the church is in heaven and the bride of Christ in chapter 19 is bowing down before the Lamb. And as we shared that scripture this morning in Isaiah where it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And it talks about the Lamb that was slain. I was thinking about that tonight as we were worshiping. And I could just picture what it's going to be like when we're in heaven as the bride of Christ worshiping the Lamb. You know, and it is a privilege that we're here tonight because none of us deserve anything but God freely gives it. So, all right, James chapter 1, verses 1 through 27, then we're going to pray. It's all, the whole chapter, and again, if we don't get through it tonight, we will pick up where we left off next Sunday. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when, you, when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. 
That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. Ought not, ought, okay, let me read that again. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with the scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my bro dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits to all that he created. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after window, orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we study this word tonight and learn about the James and the, and the book, and I pray, Father, as we go line by line, precept by precept, and word by word, that you would give us instruction and understanding, that, Father, that you would help us to walk in the truth, to put the word into practice, Again, Father, as your vessel, I can do nothing apart from you. Speak through me as I share your word tonight. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. amen. Now, before I get into my notes this morning, you've got to understand that the book of James was written to the church in Jerusalem as it was being scattered. That's why he says the 12 tribes uh, scattered. This was when Nero was actually literally uh, 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 killing Christians. In fact, he would impel them on poles and light them as torches for the city. I mean, we, we don't face that here, but in other countries, they do, they do face persecution. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine being impaled and, and lit on fire to, I mean, we have no idea what they went through. So when he writes this, he's writing to a persecuted church. And, uh, and so uh, you can understand why he talks about trials and temptations. It's one thing to have somebody make fun of you for being a Christian. It's another thing if you're going to be persecuted for it. So I'm going to go through a few of these things here. Um, is it, oh, i got to turn it on. I always forget that. All right. Now, Sir Isaac Newton said this. It's the first law of motion. Anybody learn this in school? Yeah. A body at motion stays in motion. A body at rest stays at rest. I, I've titled this message, you know, uh, Faith in Action, because faith is...
putting, it's not just saying I've got faith, but it's putting it into action, right? I think of Peter when he was in the boat, right? Lord, let me come out to you on the water. If Peter would have stayed in the boat, he would not have put anything in action. But he stepped out of the boat. That's faith. So a body in motion stays in motion. Your faith in motion stays in what? Motion. But if your faith is at rest and you're not using it, it's not going to grow. So who was James? James's name in the original language is Lachabas or Jacob. I'm glad my name is not called Jacob. It is translated Jacob in English. He was named for his grandfather Jacob. Uh, he was also known as James the Just for his exemplary lifestyle. Now it's interesting about this, this is not in the notes up here, but uh, Martin Luther had a hard time with the book of James. Anybody know who Martin Luther is? Uh, he had a hard time with it because he thought it was about works. But that's not what James is about. James is about that when you get saved, works should follow from your salvation, right? Jesus says we're to bear fruit. So James talks a lot about putting your faith into action where works should demonstrate that you are a believer. Anybody have works? Anybody demonstrate your faith in works? I, but up there in Longview, they called me the Walmart preacher because I'd pray with people in the store. I would witness to people in the store, led people to the Lord in the store. Uh, Matt knows my, my wife, I'm pointing him out because my wife's uncle's here. When we went to Longview and, and uh, at the Walmart up there, they, they knew who I was. In fact, one time Stacy and I were in there and I went off somewhere and they go, oh, your husband's over there. Marcus is over there. Well, how do you know my husband? Because that's putting your faith into action. Now, some of you don't have the gift, again, like I shared this morning, of the gift of gab, but you can still build relationships. That's faith in action. Going on, James is the half-brother of Jesus, who in the beginning did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, if you remember when Jesus went into Nazareth, right, he could not perform miracles in his own hometown because what? The lack of faith. They didn't believe. Remember, this is going to be more of a teaching time. Are you guys okay with that? Okay. So there was a lack of faith on their family. James did not believe that his own brother, I mean, think about it. He grew up with Jesus. Now, I'm sure that later on he was thinking in his mind, okay, my brother never got in trouble. <laughs> Come on, Jesus was perfect. There was just something about him. He probably thought he was mom's favorite because he never got in trouble. Could you imagine growing up with a sibling like that? Man. Now, James has thought about his brother changed when Christ appeared to him on Resurrection Day, which is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 15, 7. So hold your spot here. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter Actually, let's start, uh, let's start in verse 3 there. This is after Jesus is resurrected. He says, For what I received I passed on to you. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth as he wrote this letter. And he says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. Right? We know that from Scripture when we read the Gospels. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. The word fallen asleep means they died. I mean, could you imagine that? That's great. Jesus appeared to 500 people at the same time. 
That speaks of him being God, right? Omnipresent. He can be anywhere. I mean, he can speak to you at the same time he's speaking to me, right? He knows my thoughts as he knows your thoughts. He, he has a way. He can do that. He's God. He can answer any problem and deal with any problem. And so he can minister to each of us in where we, need, where we have need. Then verse 7, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me as to an, one abnormally born. So James, the James that's mentioned here is James the just, which is Jesus' half-brother. So James was the half-brother of Jesus. And so if you think about it, if James believes in Jesus, we should what? Believe in Jesus. James was the pastor of the Jerusalem church who again wrote the letter to encourage the flock that had been dispersed from persecution. Let's go to Acts chapter 8 real quick. <clears throat> now as you're turning to Acts chapter 8, remember Ananias and Sapphira? Yeah. You know what's wonderful about chapter 2? It says that they shared their possessions with one another. Do you know God was preparing them for the persecution? Right. But you know what's great about persecution? When persecution comes, God scatters his people right. and they take their word. Anybody know who John Wesley and George Whitfield were? Did you know they had a they had a little uh, they had a little uh, 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 dispute, and uh, one of the disputes was John Wesley believed that you can walk away from your relationship with God, right? George Whitfield didn't, and yet God caused this dispute just like the Apostle Paul and Barnabas to separate them, and when they did, that was part of the Second Great Awakening. God's like, okay, you guys aren't going to separate. I'll, I'll, I'll permit. Now, God's the one that doesn't cause this stuff, but he permits things, right, to get what he wants. And so the church was uh, scattered among, uh, among the, the, the nations to spread the gospel. Now, look in verse 1. It says, and Saul was there giving approval to his death, talking about uh, Stephen, on that day, great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. So this is, the, this is describing what James is. So he's writing this letter to his church. Could you? That would be hard for me as a pastor to, to pastor you, and you, you're scattered all over, the, all over the United States. Now, the good thing is, is we have something called a cell phone. Mine's in my office, and we can, you know, you can type and do all this stuff. It, it's a, a teleporter. Yeah. It really is a modern-day teleporter. You remember Star Trek? Yeah. Beam me up, Scotty. We just haven't got to that point yet. But I can be anywhere at any time in the world. I mean, I got GPS, right? The world, you know, you got the globe. You can check anywhere on there in the satellites. So th th that, this was James's church. They had been scattered. They had been persecuted. So you can understand when he writes this book why he talks about trials. The book of James was written between A.D. 45 and 49 and is known as a general letter because it was written to all believers, to all of us. According to Josephus, the great Jewish historian, James was martyred in Jerusalem in AD 62, possibly from stoning. And then finally, we're going to look at a few of these things real quick. I'll go through these. Chapter 1, exercising our faith, being doers of the word. Chapter 2, being fair and showing it, declaring our faith and demonstrating it. Chapter 3, problems that impact our faith. Chapter 4, submission to God. 
chapter 5, expectations of the faith. And that brings us to our first point tonight. So go with me back to James. Is this okay with you guys? Is this different from what you're used to? Do you guys like it? Let me know. If you need me to change it up, I can change it up for you. So James chapter 1, the greeting. James says, and he starts off by saying, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, remember, he's the half-brother of Jesus. And so he comes and he says, listen, I'm writing this letter to you to let you know that I'm a bondservant to Jesus. Uh, and he begins that by describing his position in Christ. I mean, it takes humility to say, hey, my brother is the Lord. The one I grew up with, the one I saw, the one, my older brother, he's, he's my king. My sibling that I didn't get along with probably when I was a kid is my sibling. Even though he was nice, James, you never know, James might have jealousy towards Jesus. That position, again, is of a servant. Exercising our faith begins with serving Christ and then others. The hardest part for us sometimes is to serve others. So what does James mean by word servant? He means, again, bond servant or slave. A bond servant comes from the Greek word doulos. Anybody ever heard of the word doulos? It means to be devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. A slave, a servant, it also meant one purchased and owned by a master or lord. I want to remind you tonight, when you gave your heart to Jesus, he purchased you on the cross, and the day that you gave your life to Jesus, he now owns you. You belong to him. One of my pastors says, we, we give up all our interests to serve the Lord. And it's a privilege to serve him, right? His yoke is easy. His burden is what? Light. If you think his, your walk with him is tough, go back to the old life. You know, serving the Lord is a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. I, mean, I think of all the blessings that God has brought into our life. I shared that a few weeks ago. I think it was last week. Remember, look back at all the things that God has done for you in the past. And that strengthens you for your faith for the now and for the future. So you are a servant. So James says, I am a doulos for Jesus Christ. I am a slave to him. Now, the slave that we think of is not the slave of beating and and. and and torturing, it's a slave of, I'm going to do what you said. You're my master. Can I ask you a question? Is Jesus your master? Amen. Uh, do you follow him? Do you obey him? Do you go where he tells you to go? We learned a study this morning in Sunday school about uh, uh, Abraham. Abraham was faithful to go where God told him to go. Regardless of how he felt, regardless if he knew where he was going, because he didn't know where he was going in the beginning. James's purpose is to remind his flocks that they too are subject to Christ, who they serve. He uses himself as an example. Guys, my job as a pastor is to say, I serve you, right? And you serve the body. We serve each other. You know, God's still working on me. I, I, my old pastor's wife told me this. Uh, when you're single, you're selfish. All of us are selfish, right? You don't know how selfish you are until you get married, <laughs> right? True. And you don't know how selfish you are until you have kids. Right. Right. I like food. 
I exercise so I can eat. <laughs> I, I, I was watching the video this morning and go, oh my goodness, I've put on, when you eat out a lot, you put weight on. So I, I need to start riding my bike again and exercising and weightlifting and stuff. But listen, when my kids eat my food, it drives me nuts. I didn't think girls could eat that much. I mean, boys eat a lot. I knew boys, but my girls eat a lot. I went to eat a bag of Doritos. My, my oldest daughter loves Doritos. I went to go eat some Doritos, and all I got was crumbs. But you don't realize how selfish you are until you live with other people. God uses other people to rub the rough edges off of you. Do you know why God places some rough people in your life? to rub off some of that rough edges off of you. Amen. You wonder, God, why did you make me work with this person? Yeah. It's to rub the rough edges off of you and for you to be a witness to. We had a guy when I worked at Tulsa County, his name was Poncho. He's, he's, he's gone now, but he was a tough guy. He was Native American and he was, you know, uh, just a rough, tough guy. He lived a rough life. And he was so hard on me when I first started at Tulsa County. And when I would drive my dump truck, we'd come up and he'd pull up beside me and I, I'd fill up his tank for him, you know. And he wouldn't even say thank you. But he got cancer. And I don't know if I had an impact on him or not, but he ended up giving his life to Jesus before he died. Listen, even though they're a rough edge, be an example, be a servant. Be a servant to your spouse. I, I, I have to admit, I do things for my wife, and sometimes I may be doing with a smile on the outside. I'm on the inside. I'm not always smiling. <laughs> and sometimes my attitude isn't always great. I'm just being honest with you. That's just who I am, right? Yeah. Do you ever grunt? Uh, you know, I like football. Now, I haven't watched football in a while because of some of the stuff that they've allowed, but there's times when I'm in the middle of something. Like, I like John Wayne. I like Westerns, okay? Yeah. If I could have another life, it would be a cowboy until I lived in Longview and a cow chased after me. <laughs> I'm serious. I'll tell you this real quick story. I know we don't have a lot of time. How long do we normally go to, on Sunday nights? So Mary up in our church in Longview, wonderful lady, they had a cow. And she knows I love Westerns. John Wayne's my favorite actor and the Duke, you know. He shares my birthday. He was born on uh, May 26th. And anyways... Uh, we're out there, and she has some cows, and I was petting the one cow, and she, female cow, you know, and, and uh, she liked it, and uh, she'd nudge you, and she started nudging me really fast. Well, when you have a 1,000-pound cow <laughs> behind you nudging you, <clears throat> you get a little anxious and scared. And when you haven't been around a lot of cattle, I've done some branding, but that not with a 1,000-pound cow. And my daughter, Annabelle, she's, oh, she's a little, and... All of a sudden, she sees this cow running after me, and there's a pile of wood, and I run around to the other thing, and this cow, I've never seen a cow with crazy eyes. I mean, they had crazy eyes. And I, all I see is my daughter running for the house, and she closed the, the glass door window and just was like watching me. It's the funniest thing. So, I have no idea why I shared that story. <laughs> I do this a lot, but I want to go back to the servant thing. You know, God has called us to be servants. He's called us to serve each other. And I don't always like it, but God's beginning to change my heart. Even when you've been serving the Lord for a long time, we need to check ourselves. How do we respond to somebody when they ask us to do something? 
you know, this, this with Stacy's knee going out and then trying to unpack everything, the stress, not getting sleep, you find out what's really inside. From out of the bundle of the heart, the mouth what? Speaks. And it's not only your mouth, your body language says a lot. So James is reminding the church, he wants them to be servants. You and I are servants first and foremost to Jesus Christ. Jesus came to serve. <clears throat> Again, who was the perfect servant? Jesus. Jesus was the perfect servant. He's our example. Look, look at the scripture here. Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. Let each of you look not only to your what? Own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to, to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus emptied himself of all that was divine to come and rescue you and I. He was thinking about you. He was thinking about me on the cross. He didn't have to. I shared this this morning. He could have called down legions of angels. He told Pilate, if, if I really wanted to, I could call down legions of angels and stop you. Pilate, you only have the power that my Father has given you. Jesus gave up himself for you and I as a perfect servant. I think of when he was in the upper room. What did he do to the disciples? He washed their what? Their feet. So again, by nature, we are selfish. I mean, you just see your kids when they're little. Even a little baby, they're selfish, right? Mine, right? right. You know, and that's us. We get that way. Yeah. We want it our way. And so James will deal with some of these issues later on in chapter 4 about wrong motives. We want it our way. We want it done our way. We want, it, we want people to, uh, 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 to change their plans for us. We're, we are, by nature, selfish people. And some of you guys, don't. I don't know if you want to hear that or not, but it's the truth, right? Yeah. If somebody ch takes your seat on a Sunday morning, right? <laughs> on the outside, oh, yes, you can have it, right? But deep down, it's like, oh, they took my seat. Where am I going to sit? Well, there's plenty of room. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in Upton, we had a gentleman, and I'm not going to mention his name. He's, he's gone now with the Lord. But I, I was performing a wedding, and he was upset that somebody took his seat at the wedding. He wanted to sit in his spot. And I said, no, you got to sit up here with your family. <laughs> so... Jesus calls us to be what? Selfless. Jesus' attitude was that of a servant. He looked to our interests before his. A servant is not selfish, but one who wants to serve others. A servant humbles themselves before authority. A person that struggles with authority means that they have no humility. I was in the military. We were talking about this yesterday. When my commander gave me an order, I did that because I was following him as my commander, right? right. Now, there were consequences if you didn't follow his orders, but, you know, we follow our commander and his name is Jesus. So who did Jesus become a servant to? And that's us. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, Matthew 20, 28. James is giving a word now of encouragement to the 12 tribes 
And this is uh, found in Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. We don't need to go there. But look, look with me here in James chapter 1 again, verse 1. He says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. It's a word of encouragement. Hey, I've got words for you that are going to encourage you. I'm so glad that he wrote this letter, that God had it included in our canon, the 66 books, because now God is saying this to us. Exercising our faith, the purpose of trials, James gives the church encouragement, the trials they are facing have a purpose. So let's look at chapter 2 here, or verse 2, verses 2 through 4, and then we're going to look at verses 5 through 6. I'm not going to go to some slides here and then... Uh, what time do we normally close? Be honest with me. I'm still learning this. What time do you guys normally close? You guys don't, you don't have a time that you close? Okay. That means I can go till 12, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think my wife would be happy about that. But he says, we looked at this last Sunday. Consider it pure joy. Now, in your Bible, you can put the word pure. Some translations say complete or full joy. He's not saying that you're going to have joy when you go through trials. What he's saying is the joy that comes from those trials is what's important, right? None of us have joy when we're going through trials. Be honest. I've never seen anybody clapping for joy because they're going through a trial. I mean, we can change our perspective on that, but even Job, he praised God, but I'm sure he was not happy about it. What he's saying is the results from that trial will create joy in your life. So he says, consider it full joy or, my, or pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Remember, he's dealing with persecution. But God put this book in here for any of us that are going through trials. And that's why I love that he says, trials of many kinds. Again, I, as I shared last Sunday, you may not be going through a trial right now. But you will go through a trial. Because life doesn't end until you go home to be with Jesus. So you're going to have trials in this life. You're going to have difficulties. And so be prepared now before you go through it. So consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That means you need to allow God to work that test in your life. The first thing we want to do when we're going through a test is, Lord, get me out of this, right? I'm, I'm just being honest. I get that way sometimes. Lord, pluck me out of this situation. But the problem with that is if we plucks us out, we're going to go through it again. Uh, you try to run from a trial, wherever you go next, you're going to go through that. God wants to to work things out in your life. The more you resist it, the longer you're going to go through it. You all agree with me on that? And he talks about, and we share this, endurance or perseverance must finish its work. Allow God to work it. Now again, it's not easy. I'm not in your situation. I'm not in your problem. But ask God, God, what can I do while I'm in this trial? Show me what to do. And that brings us to verse 5. Look what he says. If any one of you lacks what? Wisdom. He should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Remember, we can't take this out of context. So what's James talking about? Wisdom. He's talking about trials. Listen, God can give you wisdom for your trial. Yes, he can. 
That's what he's talking about there. Believe that God will give you the wisdom to get through it or how to handle it or how to deal with it. You got a family member. Anybody have a family member? Everybody have a neighbor. We had a neighbor up there in Longview. He would drive his vehicle. We had a private road like where we are at now, and we're out in the country. And this guy would barrel through 40 miles an hour. I mean, he would just fly through there. And uh, my neighbor uh, was a deputy sheriff. So I, hey, you know, this guy's driving fast. My kids walk across the street. We got neighbors across the street that our kids play with. Could you, could you talk to him? And he goes, well, I'll have my partner come out and look. Well, his partner pulled him out in front of the house. Well, God can handle things a whole lot better than you can. I, if I would have taken it into my own hands, uh, I would have been a preacher in the news because I would have gotten into a fight and I would be in jail. And I have a different congregation. I mean, because he came close like two, two seconds from hitting my daughter one day. And uh, so the cop pulls him over and the guy yells at the cop and the guy goes peeling out, kicks rocks up the car. The cop goes after him and arrests him. And I'm thinking, yes, praise the Lord. Lord bless him. But you should never praise the Lord for somebody else's misfortune. But we had issues with this neighbor. Then he had a dog. My wife had just planted her lettuce. had just come up. She'd, her carrots were coming up. That dog came up and dug all of that up. And we had problems with this dog. And finally, my wife and I were angry. We called the Humane Society. And they wouldn't do anything about it. Because in that state, it's, it's I mean... I don't need to go there. And I, I love a lot of the people in Washington. I love Washington. It's a beautiful state. But some of the, the rules out there are a lot different than they are here. And so we just gathered the kids around us in the living room. Because my girls were upset. And we prayed. Lord, you can handle this a whole lot better than we can. You can do better than what we can. Well, that week that dog got loose and ran over to another person's house. Got him on camera killing chickens. And... Uh, we didn't have to do anything. They got the dog. God dealt with it a whole lot better than we could. What I'm saying is, is ask God for wisdom as you're going through your trial. Because that was a trial for us, dealing with that neighbor. And all the things that have transpired from that have changed in that neighborhood. So if anyone lacks wisdom, listen, we all need wisdom. He should ask who? God. God. You need wisdom, ask God. Who gives, I like this part, look at this, verse 5, who gives generously. How many of you believe that God will generously give you the answer that you need? Yeah, he, he wants to generously give you that answer to your problem. He's not looking at you going, great, I'm so glad they're messed up. God doesn't do that. God's like, no, my child needs my help, right? When my daughter was little and she was learning how to walk, if she fell, I would do what? Pick her up. I wouldn't get mad at her for tripping or falling. I'd go, oh, you know, and they'd cry. You go and you nurture them and love on them. And, and then look what he says, generously all, all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Now look at verse 6. But when he asks... He must believe and not what? Doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all he does. The reason why he's unstable is he's not believing and trusting that God can do it. God, I don't think you're able to handle my situation. 
So God's okay. It's in your hands. Let's see how it works. Hold your spot here and go with me to Mark chapter 11. I want to talk a little bit about doubt and then we're going to close. Mark chapter 11. Look with me and we're going to read verses 20 through 25. Some of you guys may know this scripture, but I want to reiterate something here. It says, in the morning as they went, so Mark 11, verse 20, this is not in my notes. In the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said, Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Remember, he was walking along, there was no figs on the fig tree, and he cursed it and it dried up from the roots. And Peter noticed that, he recognized it. And Jesus says this, have faith in who? In God. Jesus is speaking about faith. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now in 1 John it also says, anytime you pray for something, pray in accordance with God's will. Did you get that? Some people will take that and say, well, if you just pray and believe for something, it's going to happen. No, it has to be in accordance with God's will. That's in 1 John. But I want you to see something about doubt. Look with me again in verse 23. He says, I tell you the truth. If anyone says this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says, it will be, it will be done for him. So doubt originates where? In your thoughts, in your mind, right? The enemy throws doubts. Oh man, I'm not, I, it's not going to work for me. Oh man, this is going to get worse, the what ifs, right? So doubt gets from here and it gets from here to here. And so doubt originates and if we start to meditate on that, then it, it will short circuit our faith. And how we deal with the thoughts is we take him what? Captive. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I wanted to talk a little bit about this because he's talking about believing God for wisdom in trials. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, look with me in verse 3. The apostle Paul says, Though... For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, I like how he puts, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension. Pretension means imaginations that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So again, doubt comes to the what? To the mind. You have a choice at that moment to believe or to reject those thoughts. And so he says, these imaginations and these arguments come to your mind. You take authority. Now it's interesting because he uses the word here, divine power. The word power there is the word deutimus in the Greek. We also find that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Right. Deutimus. 
It's where we get the word dynamite from. Now, divine power is greater than dynamite, right? So God has given you the ability to take captive those thoughts with the power of the Holy Spirit and replace the bad thoughts with good thoughts, which is the Word of God. So when you ask God for wisdom, don't let doubt rule in your mind, but immediately shut it off and say, nope, God says he's going to give it to me. Now, it's scary waiting on that, right? But God will give you the wisdom to do it. Is this all making sense tonight? All right, one last thing. Go with me back to James here. And then we're going to close. So James is speaking of trials. They're dealing with persecution. And he's telling them, listen, let this work itself out so that you're going to be mature and complete in your walk with God. While going through this trial, say, God, give me wisdom to do it. Again, he's speaking to his flock. He's speaking to his church. And he's reminding them to get their strength from who? From God. To get their answer from God. Even as your pastor, I don't have all the answers, do I? Sometimes I don't even have all one or two answers. And pastors like to fix things. We like to help people. But I don't always have an answer. But God does. And God can answer things better than I can. The same with you. So... I don't know what you're facing, and maybe you're not going through anything. We've talked about this, but listen, even if you do go through something, remember this. Like James, God is testing your faith. He's going to strengthen your faith. He's not to destroy you. He's he's there to help you pass the test. I I took an auto mechanics class in high school. My dad's a mechanic. I'm okay at it, right? I call on dad when I need something fixed. When I was in auto mechanics class, my teacher wouldn't make us, he, when he took our tests, we did an open book test. The problem with that is it really never taught us what we remembered. He was just basically helping us pass. That's not tests. Tests is to say, okay, do you remember what I taught you in this lesson? God's saying, do you remember what I've taught you through this lesson? And if we don't get it, guess what happens? We'll do it again. So hopefully we learn it. You know, in the, in the Air Force, they, they always taught us, learn from your lessons. And my, my commanding officer, or actually my first shirt, uh, when we had to clean our dorms, he, he actually would walk around with a white glove. Um, my first shirt would, when we'd have dorm inspections, we call barrack inspections, he'd come through and he'd wipe the little glass in your, in your uh, uh, medicine cabinet. And I failed that one time. And I said, no, I cleaned that. And he goes, you want to bet? <laughs> so guess what? He gave me a day to get that clean. And I failed it again. So by the third time, I made sure I cleaned that, uh, breathed on it, cleaned it well, well, and I passed. God does the same with us. So let's close in prayer. Father, as we walk through this study on the book of James... We're all learning, myself included. There's new things that we're going to learn through this book. Father, you've called us all to be bond servants, to serve others. Lord, you haven't left us alone in the trials that we face and the difficulties that we face. Lord, as I'm reminded of Joshua when he took over for Moses. Lord, you said, be strong and courageous. 
because you're going to lead these people to the promised land. And he said, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you will be able to be successful wherever you go. Father, I pray as we face trials that your word, we would not let depart from our mouth. We would not let depart from our hearts, our minds, that we would apply your word to our life and then remind ourselves that you're the one that gives us the strength to get through it. And you will answer us. You will give the, us the answer and the solution to every problem that we need. Be with everyone tonight as they go home and spend time with their families and go through the week. Help us to put your word into practice. Help us, Lord, to be selfless. Help us, Lord, to be not selfish, but selfless. We all struggle with it. Forgive us for the times that we have been. And again, thank you, Lord, for your blessings on our life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Thank you for being here tonight. Um, I'm not sure if this is a good time. Do you guys like getting out about this time? Did I get out too early for you? This is good. Okay. Listen, every church is different. I want to know what you guys like and what you don't like. So just let me know, okay? Love you. If you need prayer, I'm here to pray with you until you leave. If you need to talk, I'm here to talk with you. God bless. Have a great night. And I